This is Positively Farming Media. After a long day at my desk, one of my fave ways to unwind is with my flock by throwing a grubbly happy hour. The best part about a grubbly happy hour is you can enjoy it in whatever way suits you best. Whether you choose to do a leisurely stroll as your feathered friends follow you for more, rage throw them at the sky so they rain down and melt the day's stressors away, or get fancy and mix up a grublito for your flock and mojito for yourself, there's no wrong way to do it. All you need is a bag of Grubbly Farms Grubblies and the energy to get to where your cluckin' BFFs are. To get yours, go to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM25 for 25% off your first bag. And take the mental stress off your party planning by subscribing and having your Grubblies auto-delivered, and you'll also save on every shipment. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Hey everyone, welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. I am your temporary solo host, Bev Ross. And uh, today, I'm actually just really excited to be here and be recording an episode for you. So it took me a little while to get this episode out. Um, I've been thinking about it for a while and It was just something that I knew I had to share when it was the right time. I guess I don't know how else to explain that. Um, So today, we're actually going to talk about overcommitting. And this is something that I think I've always struggled with um, because I just really like doing things. And I like to call it multi-passionate. And I know that that's not um, a super unique thing uh, for someone in the homesteading, farming kind of creative space like I am in. So I figured that there would be other people that feel like they might struggle with this as well. But I've had kind of one of those aha moments. And I've kind of changed the way that I'm thinking about um, what I'm going to refer to in this episode, for lack of a better word, as outsourcing. Um, And this episode will actually apply uh, almost no matter what you're thinking about doing. Uh, I find that I am driven to try to do everything myself uh, when it comes to like my homestead and growing food, um, but also my podcast. And now we have a brick and mortar building, which has thrown in a whole new extra wrench and feeling like I need to be doing more myself or providing more or making more. And so this episode is really inspired off of all of those experiences kind of put together. Um, But 
more notably the opening of the brick and mortar store more recently, because I think uh, that was really the catalyst that made me want to take a look at my relationship with uh, doing things myself and really reevaluate it. So I'm just really looking forward to this episode because, like I said, it's been on my heart and mind for a while, and I think I've just finally got the right notes for it. So um, buckle up. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, This episode, I am actually drinking uh, a cup of coffee from my new brick-and-mortar pop-up shop. Uh, It's called Kringle's Confections. It's only going to be open through Christmas, Um, but we partnered with our friends at Ancient Valley Mercantile. They actually do the partnership with us, and so we've brewed some like fun uh, holiday blends, coffees, and some other fun things like specifically for the store. So this one right here is the baklava uh, brew, and it's just, it's so good. So there'll be a link in the show notes to go check out the online store. Uh, I don't know if I'll have it up by the time this drops, um, but we are planning to get them up there for shipping because we do have the correct licensure that we need to package and ship coffee. Uh, So we will have that up there and available uh, for purchase. And I would obviously, uh, we would obviously appreciate your support uh, in our new brick and mortar store endeavor. So our Drink Peeps this episode are our friends Ashley Kiernan and Jenny Beck. So cheers, ladies. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks, everyone. All right. I'm so excited uh, about today, like I mentioned, because uh, we're going to talk about uh, overcommitting and what overcommitting looks like in my life and how I've kind of recognized that overcommitment and how I've kind of changed the way that I think about what I really want to do or what I want to commit to. Um, and I'm not saying that I have gotten it all down perfectly by any means, but I do think that a lot of people in this space can um, really relate uh, to this feeling. Um, it's the multi-passionate, entrepreneur, creative kind of skill collecting, all of those things uh, make you really want to do all the things and try all the things. And it's a really fun place to be in. Um, But at some point, it does eventually kind of burn you out um, and start to maybe bring on some feelings of like guilt uh, and shame of not measuring up or being able to keep up with what you think that you should be doing. And so that's why this episode was so hard for me to get out um, and so important uh, and why I'm so excited for it, uh, just because it's something that's really near and dear to me. So uh, overcommitment uh, is something that I started really looking at um, because my new business manager, Kim, um, so shout out to Kim Drake over at Kim & Co. Uh, she has had a few meetings with me and we've been working on getting things kind of sorted out for Drink and Farm, the podcast and the other things that I'm kind of working on. So there's a little peek behind the curtain there. And she told me to commit to what's feasible. And I heard that. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, yeah, you know what? Like, 
so many of the things I do are just not feasible. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for why I might feel the need to commit to things that aren't necessarily feasible, and we'll kind of dig into those. Um, but uh, there are things that we can do to kind of get away from that and things we can change about the way that we think about doing it all ourselves uh, that I think can really help. So thank you, Kim, for inspiring this episode because her advice uh, has been so helpful and um, so incredibly needed. So definitely recommend you go check her out. Uh, There will be a link in the show notes to her website uh, if you're needing some business management skills uh, because she's absolutely the best. So uh, one of the ways that I tend to overcommit myself is by creating overcomplicated systems um, or tracking. And uh, I do that because I'm a data-driven person. Uh, I love having all the information. I love being able to analyze it. My brain just wants to know the how and the why and all the different pieces that are in it. But when you step back and think about it, uh, one of the things that uh, you can kind of recognize is, you know, what do I really need to know and why? And when you step back and ask yourself that question, I think that you can see that you don't necessarily need all of the data and all of the data doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. And um, for me, that's shown up in the way that I try to do my garden planning uh, or my garden journals. Uh, It shows up in the way that I do my bookkeeping and accounting work. Uh, I tend to be overcautious at the tracking and the documenting and the checking and the double checking and the triple checking. And while yes, all of these systems are nice because you know that the data is good, it can also be really overwhelming and you can find yourself just buried in the data capture and analysis and not actually doing the things anymore. So that was one example I wanted to give you. Uh, Another thing that I also do is I tend to plan for everything to go perfectly as planned. Um, And some of that is because it stems into my optimism. Uh, I'm a naturally optimistic person. Uh, I struggle to manage time. I don't know that anyone can actually manage time. It's always kind of fleeing and going and doing its own thing. Um, But uh, it really gets away from me a lot. Um, And I think that's because I get focused on something or I get excited about something. And it's almost like the hands on that clock just don't even exist for me anymore. So uh, one of the things that um, I have changed in the way that I'm thinking about time is uh, I plan for the worst now. And I know that sounds really dark for someone that just said that they're really optimistic. They're a really optimistic person. Um, But by planning for the worst, uh, I can feel good about what got done instead of uh, feeling bad because I filled my entire to-do list up and didn't actually have that many hours in a day. I mean, nobody has that many hours in a day. So by planning for things to go wrong and by leaving space for things to not go perfectly as planned, like recording this episode. I could not get it to start recording. Um, so that's why it's being released slightly late. Um, but you know, when you just set yourself up 
for expecting that. Um, I think it helps you to have a better attitude towards it and maybe not let the frustration and the fluster uh, prevent you from going and still doing the thing and enjoying it and making the best that you possibly can. So planning for the worst, I know it seems dark, but um, quite frankly, it's been working really well for me. Another way that overcommitting really kind of shows up uh, in my life is doing it all because I think I should or I know how to. And I know this one's really going to speak uh, to you farmers and homesteaders out there. Uh, because I think that's just kind of what we do. Like I said, multi-passionate, multi-talented, uh, skill collecting, all of those things. Um, it can be really nice and validating to know that you can do so much and that you're capable of doing so much. It's something that I really appreciate, um, and enjoy, and one of the other things, too, is I tend to have a genuine desire to exceed people's expectations and be helpful. So uh, one of the things that is kind of cut back from my wanting to try to do it all is um, identifying where I'm over-providing. And this was the uh, one thing that I really realized um, – I needed to work on the most after opening a brick and mortar store um, because I know how to do a lot of things. And I also had this idea in my head that if I owned a store and I was going to run a store, I needed to do all of the things that were in it. I needed to be the one that made things and did things and provided everything to make it as local and authentic um, as I possibly could. But, you know, after talking to uh, my business partners and, you know, everyone that's involved in it, um, we kind of realized that it wasn't possible for us to do everything and run the store. Like our thing was running the store and creating this really cool experience for our town of a Christmas pop-up shop. And we weren't going to be able to do that to our full ability if we were going to try to bake all the cookies and make all the chocolates and do all the things. And so we really had to scale back uh, what it was that we decided to do ourselves uh, and scale back again uh, multiple times, especially me. Um, and I'm still having to scale back. Uh, there are still things that I know I'm doing and creating there that I probably shouldn't, um, but I do them because I love them. And so uh, that brings me to the next thing that uh, we'll talk about with overcommitting, and that is saying yes to everything. I have a really bad habit of saying yes to everything. Um, and that's because that yes has provided me with a lot of really amazing adventures. Uh, also, I used to say no to things because I was afraid of the unknown or anxiety would stop me from being able to take that next step to do it. Um, I considered it as kind of my way of keeping myself safe, um, safe from risk, safe from making a mistake, safe from uh, 
you know, doing something and having it not pan out or not work out and having to deal with that disappointments or that um, uncomfortableness of not being successful. So while it's important to say yes, especially if your no is coming from a place of, of fear or being afraid to put yourself out there, um, it's really important that um, you don't take some of the advice that's out there that says say no to everything because it's what protects your time um, because saying yes can really open your mind and broaden your horizons and, and open your opportunities. But um, be careful with that yes because uh, the thing is, is once you start saying yes and doing things, especially if you tend to have the um, have the people-pleasing kind of uh, personality, is you'll realize that saying no is harder than saying yes. Um, and what I mean by that is when you say no to people, uh, it can be really disappointing. Uh, you kind of can feel like they're asking for this or they're wanting this for a specific reason and maybe you don't see all of it. So you should do everything that you can to say yes and be agreeable um, and do the thing that uh, makes you know, everyone more comfortable or doesn't require that conversation about why you want to make it a no. Um, but then you can end up really overextending yourself. Um, and it's something that I find myself doing an awful lot. And um, one of the things that I've been kind of uh, reflecting on is, well, why do I tend to avoid saying no now that um, I've gotten over that anxiety piece of it? Because anxiety used to be what kept me from saying yes to things. Um, and now I say yes. It's so easy. It's my automatic go-to so what's my problem with the word no? Why don't I want to tell people no? Um, and I realized that it stems down to when I was little, um, the word no used to be really upsetting to me. I mean, I think that's pretty normal for kids uh, to be upset by the word no. Nobody likes to be told that they can't do something or that they're not allowed to do something or so-and-so is not allowed to come over or stay the night or whatever. Um, but internally it was really devastating. And so I think I had to really face that as an adult and kind of deal with that and dig that out um, to realize that when I'm telling people no, that I'm not doing it because I specifically want to disappoint them or you know, don't want to do the thing that they want to do. Most of the times I want to say yes. Um, but we have to protect those yeses and um, be choosy about them so that we can say yes to the right things and the things that really move you forward and what you want to do um, and what your goals are. So uh, 
there is also one small piece of this um, that we'll talk to talk about before we um, get into how I decide, um, you know, what to outsource and what to keep doing myself. And um, that is the internal struggle with um, imposter syndrome or fear of not measuring up. Uh, I think that it's something that everybody deals with. I don't think there's anyone out there um, that can confidently say that they never feel like an imposter. Um, Maybe there are some, you know, folks out there that are, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you know what I'm talking about. There are those people who are just always charismatic and always know what they want, always know what they're going for and always know exactly how to get it. Um, That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Um, I think that uh, no matter how qualified you are or how much experience you have or um, what uh, you're doing, there's always that little tiny piece that's inside of you that can kind of be like, well, what if it doesn't work out that way for this person? Or what if uh, it goes differently? Or what if you misunderstood that? Or what if you uh, forgot to lock the front door? It's that whole, you know, maybe I'm missing a piece and I'm starting to get worried that I'm missing something. And so I'm losing confidence in myself and what I'm doing. So that can drive you to want to do more things yourself or overcommit to prove that you are capable and you can do these things and no one can stop you and no one can tell you that you can't. So that is something that I am still working on. I'm actually taking um, a course uh, that is by Layla F. Side. Um, she wrote uh, the book Me and White Supremacy. Uh, she's doing an imposter syndrome workshop, uh, and that is on November 30th. So if you hear this before November 30th, 2022, uh, and want to join me in that course, I'll put a link to the course in the show notes. Um, because imposter syndrome is something that I definitely want to root out um, and recognize sooner and have more tools to overcome. Um, Because even the most confident and capable of people suffer from it. And so I think that there are some things that we can do to give ourselves that confidence boost to kind of take that out of the equation when we're evaluating whether or not we need to do something to do something ourselves or need to commit to something. So um, we've talked about, you know, overcommitting and wanting to do all of the things yourself, uh, and being independent. Um, so what's the alternative to that? Like, what do we do instead of, uh, trying to be our own islands, uh, that are creating all the things and doing all the things and fixing all the things and, uh, canning all the things. I mean, you could go on for forever, um, with all the things that we can try to do ourselves, um, our, our alternative is to outsource it. And I don't mean like you have to send it overseas or anything like that. Um, outsourcing it is simply, you know, letting someone else 
take the reins, let someone else take responsibility for that. Um, and that someone else can be a, a partner or your kids or someone you hire, uh, to do some of the things or, um, you know, in the case of, uh, we'll continue to use homesteading as kind of an example, you know, uh, when you go to the grocery store and buy those groceries, those are, you're outsourcing that food production instead of trying to do all of it yourself, which can buy you a little bit of sanity, uh, if you're finding that you're struggling to keep up, uh, with everything. But also, um, outsourcing can be really important too, because, uh, when you outsource, you're letting other people shine and do the thing that they're really good at and that they do. So I wanted to point out that outsourcing or giving something to someone else to do isn't necessarily uh, giving up or saying that you can't do something. It's another way to lighten the load on yourself um, and also provide um, some value to the person or entity that you outsource to. So there are a series of questions that I ask myself uh, when I'm thinking about whether or not this is something I really want to take on or whether this is something that I should be looking for um, to get elsewhere or to have someone else do. Uh, and the first one is I ask myself, is this something that I truly love doing? And um, I don't kid myself. You don't have to love every single thing that you do. Um, there are going to be times in your life where you do hard things that feel uncomfortable that you're not going to like. Um, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Like, if you really dislike canning, um, like I have not kept it a secret that that is something that I just really dislike doing by myself, um, then every time you do it, it's going to feel extra hard because you don't like it or enjoy it. And, you know, when we're thinking about the things that we do, you know, uh, in our time that's not already taken up by work or other commitments. Uh, it's really important that we include things that we love just for the sake of loving it. And, you know, I love eating, um, you know, the peach pie filling that I've canned. But do I love it so much that it's worth the, uh, you know, the, the, unpleasantness that I feel while I'm trapped in the kitchen for five hours canning. And for me, that answer has been no. So that is why I have stopped canning. Um, but another thing that I always ask myself when I'm thinking about whether or not I should keep doing something or whether it's time to outsource it is I ask myself, am I really great at doing that? You know, is my peach pie recipe that I can, is it the best on the planet or is there one that I can get somewhere else that's just way better than what I do? And um, if the answer is there is nothing special about mine uh, and I actually like it better when someone else has made it, then it's an easy outsource. Um, I don't want to make those things that we kind of, you know, choke through just because I made them. Um, because 
you can't be the best at everything. And it's, it's a hard, um, it's a hard thing to kind of come to, uh, come to terms with. Um, but you know, the sooner you do, I think, um, the better. So if there's someone out there that does it better, then, um, I want to support them in doing that. And I want to get to enjoy the fruits of their labor and the thing that they made that's better than the thing that I would make. So, I mean, it feels like at that point, it only makes the most sense to go ahead and just go get it and stop trying to make it myself. Another thing I always ask myself is how am I making a difference by taking that on? So am I wanting to do this myself because I will save money or I will save materials or maybe this is a more environmentally friendly way to do it? Um, If I can't say yes to at least one of those, then I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe I'm not actually making a difference by doing this myself. Um, And you might actually find that – it's the opposite of making a difference. It's actually making things worse or harder on yourself and, you know, your budget and everything else by doing it yourself um, when it would actually be more economically feasible and save you time uh, to outsource it to someone else that loves to do it. So keep that in mind when you're evaluating something like, am I actually making a difference, whether it be to my bottom line or, you know, to my happiness or whatever, when I'm taking this on, uh, if you're not making a positive difference in any of the places that you're looking at, then it might be a good sign that it's time to move on and, and pick something different to spend your time on. So I also ask myself, what am I saying no to by saying yes to doing this myself? Um, And that one's a pretty common one that you've probably heard before. Uh, Every time you say yes, you are saying no to something else. Like uh, when I go to bed tonight, um, I will be saying yes to a good night's sleep and I will be saying no to pulling an all-nighter and getting a ton of extra stuff done. Um, But I'm also saying yes to feeling better tomorrow. And so you can kind of go through that scenario um, in your head when you're considering, you know, what am I saying no to by saying yes to this? Or what am I saying yes to by saying no to that? And if you can walk yourself through a scenario that feels more ideal uh, than the other, then I think your answer becomes just a little clearer and you feel a little more confident in, um, in saying that. And the last thing uh, that I ask myself when deciding whether or not to do something myself or outsource it is I ask myself, am I benefiting my family or my community or my customers more by providing it or outsourcing it? And what I mean by that is, am I really the, the right and the best person for this or would something else be better in the long run in all aspects that you look at it and um i'll actually use an example from the store uh and uh there will be a full version of this story over on the patreon 
Uh, it'll be at patreon.com slash drink and farm, but I'll do a small piece of it here because I think it really drives that point home. Um, but one of the things uh, that I was really afraid of when we opened our store was trying to explain to people that we didn't make the macarons or the cheesecake or the fudge or the chocolates. You know, um, they all look so beautiful in the case uh, and they're all so delicious and they're all just so amazing in their own way. I'm really proud of them and really proud that we carry them uh, and I'm proud to bring them to the community and provide them to the community. Um, But there was that little piece inside of me that felt like, I, I should be doing all of those things because you know how, because you can. Um, and so I was really dreading uh, having to uh, answer that question when someone asked me, you know, if I had made something, because obviously I was going to be honest. Um, the answer is not to lie and say that you did it yourself if you didn't, because <laughs> you want to give credit where credit is due. Um, and I think that that's really important. But uh, our business partner and friend, Wade, said, no, I didn't make it. And that's why it's good. And I just laughed and thought, yeah, that's exactly why this chocolate is so good. Because, you know, I could have made it, but would it have been as good as this, Um, you know, Mennonite made chocolate from Ohio? Probably not. That's what they do all day. That's what they specialize in. They make the best chocolate. Um, Same with the fudge. I mean, you know, you can make fudge and follow a recipe, but the company that only makes fudge, I mean, that's that's their specialty. That is their zone of genius. That's what they do. And so you really are getting the best when you let them do the thing that they're really good at and you just create the space for that experience or that, you know, that exchange to happen rather than trying to create the space for the exchange and do all of the things that are created there as well. So uh, I hope that uh, you found this helpful and kind of got a little peek into what it's been like for me making the switch to a a uh, brick and mortar and a like a real store instead of just doing things virtually and online like I have been. Um, it's been a really great transition and I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm sure that we'll talk about the building more um, and how all of that has gone. Um, but for now, that is a lesson that has been weighing on me really heavily. If you would like to talk about any of these things, I would love it if you would join our Facebook group. Um, it's over at, uh, Facebook search for the group. We drink and we farm things, answer some questions and we'll let you in. Uh, and then we can chat all about this episode or any other episode that you want to chat about. And if you go to the full show notes over at drinkandfarm.com slash 218, you'll get links to our uh, Christmas shop, uh, Kringle's Confections, where you can order coffee and perhaps some other things up there. Uh, And there will also be a link to Kim and Co's website if you're looking for some business management. 
And I'd like to shout out our Patreon peeps, Angela Hollis, Tonya Harold, Kimberly Taylor, and DC Teitzel. Thank you so much for all of your support over on Patreon. Um, our Patreon peeps are really what make the production of this podcast possible at so many levels, them and our sponsors. Uh, Grubbly Farms has been an amazing partner to us for so long, and we are just so grateful to them. And uh, speaking of the Patreon, like I said earlier, go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. You'll get this episode's after hours um, where I'll dive a little deeper into those personal thoughts and fears um, that kind of have caused me to feel like I have to do it all. Um, And I speak a little more frankly about why I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, And I also tell you um, a deeper version of that story of – you know, the fear of having to tell someone that I didn't make something or didn't do something myself. Uh, And I think you'll really enjoy that. So um, that's it. Until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. Bye now. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Want to be the first to try Ross Roos Farms Experimental Series Goat Milk Soaps and be surprised each quarter by what's in your shower, but in a good way? Then my soap CSA is for you. Choose the CSA share that best fits your soapy needs. Each month or quarter, you'll receive either two or four bars of the latest styles and scents of the season. Ross Roos Farm Goat Milk Soap is made in Bainbridge, Ohio with milk from our farm, oils and butters that cleanse and soften the skin, fresh herbs and flowers from the garden or locally sourced, natural pigments, essential oils, and fragrance oils that have been thoroughly tested for skin safety and scent longevity. I never use palm oil. Bring joy to your daily cleansing routine and get your first soap CSA box by going to rossroosfarm.com slash soap.